This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, September 12th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is Almost Live, our Sunday morning podcast during the season. And I have certainly come to you on more glorious terms than this. Have not done a non-playoff loss podcast in some time. Going to be joined here in just one minute by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. And then Bill Curlick will hop on after that. I have not shared my opinion on yesterday's game. I may be the only one who hasn't. And here is my general vibe. I owe the Bucknutters a huge apology. I wrote that I thought this game was going to be the biggest blowout in some time. I had not been more confident about a game going in. Then when I saw Justin Flo and Kayvon Thibodeau weren't playing, I was even more confident. And I was just wrong. No other way around it. I had too much confidence in certain people. I extended too much of the benefit of the doubt. People are looking for individuals to blame. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't think the offense played well enough to win this game. I think they played well enough to win a game that the defense plays passively. My vibe on who's to blame for the defense is this is Ryan Day's fault. He's the head coach. So everything falls under Ryan Day's purview. But I don't see one player on the defense right now that I would say is playing well. And when that's the case, I usually think it's who's in charge. So Kerry Gomes is going to take the abuse. Also, I've been watching football for a long time, and I saw two things yesterday I'm not sure I've ever seen before. An outfit like Ohio State's getting abused on one side of the field over and over and over again without adjusting, and then a cornerback still looking at a wrist play sheet while a wide receiver runs by him. Those two things. So the backs, the floor is yours. We have the bucket coming out in a few minutes after this podcast. Please give the people your general vibe on yesterday's debacle. Well, obviously this is the lowest point of the Ryan Day era. And let's face it, there haven't been many low points at this point. But this one's really hard to swallow because this is a game where all the things that we are, uh, we are worrying about, right? All the things that we've been fearing, all the things that we've been uh, – uh, that we've been uh, talking about essentially for two years now with Kerry Combs running this defense came back and bit us again. And in this game, what did Oregon do well? Like where did they out athlete us? Right. Is their quarterback, some special elite guy? No. And I don't think the receivers really were, were able to out athlete our guys. And like you said, Dan, the fact that they could run that wide receiver in motion, right to left, crack back inside on the linebacker, sweep where you pull the far, the right guard to the left play, 
repeatedly for big yardage is mind-boggling. There was zero adjustments at this point. Zero. And so to me, I don't really understand if there's going to be much justification for Kerry Coombs to hold on to his gig. I mean, the reality is they've given up in the last four games at Ohio State, and I put this in the bucket of bullets. They gave up 80 points in the two playoff games last year, and then they gave up in the first two games this season 66 points. That is 146 points in four games at Ohio State. That's absurd for a place like Ohio State with the talent that we've recruited. It's awful. And at the end of the day, I put a lot of the blame on the defensive scheme because none of these guys look like they're confidently moving anywhere. They look like a bunch of Baron Brownings in his first year on the field, and they're all thinking and not doing. We didn't have a pass rush, so that was a problem, and Kerry Combs can't make the line get pressure with four. But when you realize your line isn't getting pressure with four, you have to start changing things. And it took him until like the very last part of the game for them to start bringing any blitzes. We don't really have linebackers that are playing at what we would consider an Ohio State level. I never thought we would be missing last year's linebackers to the level that we are right now. So that's a big problem. But I know everybody wants to talk about the defense. The flip side of this, too, is that the offense made more red zone mistakes yesterday than I can remember. It was a nonstop struggle for them. And I, at the start of the game, when this game was really in doubt still, Ohio State drove down inside the 40-yard line of Oregon multiple times only to punt the ball away or get stopped on fourth down. And, you know, I've gotten a little criticism for being critical of C.J. Stroud. Everybody's like, what? He threw for nearly 800 yards in two games. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. Yes, and he's only completing 63% of his passes. And that's where you see them struggle to continue drives, right? If that 63% was closer to 70%, they would be extending these drives. And I get that he's not Justin Fields yet, right? And I, But the reality is that there, there are some throws that Stroud has to start hitting that he hasn't so far. So that's another side of it. And then on top of that, the offensive line just hasn't been good enough at times. And I, I think that you're seeing – you saw a lot of things come together yesterday. And, and, again, it all comes back to, I think, at the end of the day, the defense not being able to do its job for the most part. But – this is an Oregon team that I can't point to one spot on the field, especially without Thibodeau and Blow, where they were better than Ohio State. And they won at Ohio State at a 9 a.m. kickoff time for them locally in Oregon. And, you know, this is one where you, you have to look real hard in the mirror and be very honest about what's going on here. And as Kerry Combs said, we have to do this differently. This is a start, and I don't think a guy like Kerry Combs, who's a longtime Buckeye, who was part of championship teams and is an Ohio guy. But, man, one thing has changed dramatically since Jeff Halfley left, and we gave last year the excuse year, right, where last year was the year where it was a pandemic and it was weird and all kinds of other stuff happened. And, you know, it's hard to blame Kerry Combs. He got his pass. Not now. Not now. And if the defense doesn't get any better, we might be looking at – a nine and three kind of season versus a playoff kind of season. And frankly, that's going to be the end of the deal for him as a defensive coordinator. And we better hire somebody with experience next time through. They're still super talented. I don't think this is the end of the season. All of their goals are still intact. Now, whether they can achieve them is going to be a TBD situation. I don't think they're going to get rid of Combs immediately, by the way, we can address that together in a sec. I want to touch on a couple of things you said. One, I don't know if C.J. Stroud is playing great, but I will tell you this. 
Cade Stover dropped a third down pass that was as pretty a pass as you're ever going to see. Did he take a hit? Yes. The ball hit him in the chest. You have to catch that. Third down drops are basically turnovers. Now, that one was closer to the red zone. They did not get it on fourth down. Garrett Wilson dropped a pass over the middle that should have been a first down. It was almost like he was surprised the guy got there on time. Jeremy Ruckert dropped a pass that he should have caught. Weak side guy came over. It was like he was surprised he got there in time. Chris Olave in the end zone. Did he get interfered with? Yes. You cannot flop and not make an attempt on a ball. Then you put it on the ego of the ref and he went for the other guy. Was he interfered with? Obviously. Did he throw his hands out to the side and go down easily rather than make an attempt to catch the ball? Definitely. And then he dropped a deep ball down the left sideline and hit him in the hands. I don't think C.J. Stroud played great, but you cannot have a redshirt freshman and drop that many passes and expect to win. The way the sport has gone now, you're going to be able to throw up numbers as a quarterback between the 20s. Everybody does, but it's how you do in the red zone. Those who watched the Thursday night pro football game could have seen that. The Cowboys moved up and down the field. The Buccaneers got touchdowns. The Buccaneers won. You mentioned the offensive line. They could not run the ball in the interior at all. They were getting jammed constantly. You mentioned Kerry Combs, and I think if you judge by the boards, he would have gotten the all the right moves deal and had to go back on the bus with the band. Do you think that there'll be moves made here, or will they hunker down? They won't make a move midseason. That's just not going to happen. Unless things just get progressively worse, I don't think Kerry Combs is losing any of his responsibilities. But the reality at this point is, Unless there's a massive improvement, and this is looked back at like the Virginia Tech game was in 2014 as a sort of one-off spot where things just didn't go their way, then there's going to be a change, and rightfully so. I, I, I don't think that, especially with Combs being a Buckeye guy, right? At the end of the day, the Buckeyes are not going to make a change. Unfortunately, there have been some technical difficulties there, much like our defense, and the People's Champ has signed off perhaps to go drown his sorrows. I'm going to take a quick break and come back with the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curlick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. Bill, you were legally obligated to comment on yesterday's game, even though you probably hoped you wouldn't have to. Please let us know what the Dean thought as he saw the Ducks kick a little buck. Well, uh, I-, I was surprised, I think, as uh, many, many people were. You know, you're heading towards 600 yards of total offense and to not win the game. That doesn't happen very often. doesn't happen very often. Ohio State loses in Ohio Stadium. Um, you know, so, so surprise, certainly. Um, you know, a lot of the, the fault is uh, being put on the defense, and, and certainly there needs to be improvement there, a lot of improvement. But uh, I think, as Ryan Day said, there, it wasn't just that. You know, there's blame to go around. Um, the, the number of times Ohio State was in the red zone and did not get points um, you know, it, it was ironic. I was watching the game thinking, 
when Ohio State was down by two scores, I'm not sure that Ohio State's defense can stop Oregon twice. They have to stop them at least twice to have any chance to win the game. And lo and behold, they got those stops. I think they actually got uh, about three stops. You know, they, they, the offense at that point then couldn't get it done uh, at the end. Um, so, you know, that was, it was a situation where the defense was able to stop them early in the game, the first couple of possessions. Um, then they couldn't stop them forever. And then they stopped them at the end and the offense couldn't get it done then. So, um, to me, defensively, so much uh, is being said about the defensive backfield, but what's alarming to me is the lack of pressure that Ohio State is getting on the opposing quarterback. Um, they just really aren't getting any, um, especially from the down linemen. Um, they just aren't getting any there uh, for the most part. Um, you know, and when they finally did get some pressure late in the game, that's stopped. So, uh, that, that's really been uh, surprising to me, the, the lack of pressure. And, and they really haven't turned up the heat with a lot of blitzes and things. And, and you know, there's something – they have to get pressure on the quarterback, I think. Yeah, the defensive line has been borderline awful when I really thought it was going to be a huge strength. Another thing is, Bill, we expected, at least I did, expected to see the defensive line rotate dudes in there. They've always done that. Now this year, they're not as talented up front and they're not rotating. So I, I don't really understand what's going on. I don't think the interior, the Antoine Jackson and Teron Vincent have played very well. Haskell Garrett has made a few plays, but Oregon was getting three, four, five yards on first down, running it right up the middle. It was a bad scene all the way around. Bill, let's move into your wheelhouse. What was the vibe on social media from the recruits? Social media and the guys at the stadium, I talked to a number of them. In fact, I put up a story last night, I don't know, uh, probably around 8.30 uh, last night, recruits react um, to the game. And it was still generally positive. The general feeling was that um, um, High State just has to clean up some mistakes. Uh, that was the general feeling from the recruits. And when they clean up those mistakes. The recruits generally were saying it's not a matter of if they'll get cleaned up and that when they do, they're going to be a, an outstanding football team. That was the general vibe. And, you know, there were a lot of positive comments about the atmosphere at uh, Ohio stadium on Saturday, how, especially in the quarter. In fact, this morning, I just put up a um, story on Joshua Padilla, uh, the talented offensive lineman who writes Wayne high school, just put that up right uh, before before this this morning, and he talked about how crazy it was in Ohio Stadium on Saturday, especially in that fourth quarter when Ohio State did did get those defensive stops when they had third down uh, and were able to get the stops. How loud and crazy it was in the stadium! So you know the recruits' reactions were for the most part very impressed with uh, everything that um, the crowd did, the atmosphere and all in the stadium. And they, they felt the high state, you know, just needs to get some things cleaned up in some spots and they're going to be just fine was the general feeling. Bill, this was a red carpet weekend. There were many recruits in town, some coming from long distances who actually made it, who were the big names in town and give us kind of an outlook on the weekend from a recruiting perspective. Well, they have the, the two official visitors, um, uh, of course, Kristen Miller, who arrived on 
Friday night, the defensive lineman from Georgia, and Caden Curry, uh, another defensive lineman. He's from Indiana, two outstanding prospects. And uh, Caden Curry is a guy I, I really, really like a lot. So and those two on official visits. Unfortunately, Ernest Green from California didn't make his official visit to Ohio State because uh, his game was a TV game. On Friday night, it didn't start till 7.30. Then it lasted a long time. There were a lot of penalties. And and uh, as Greg Biggins posted uh, uh, late, late Friday night, actually Saturday morning, our time uh, on our board, that uh, uh, they weren't going to be able to make the visit because they couldn't get to their flight in time um, to get to Ohio State. And that took away uh, over a half dozen St. John Bosco players that uh, all had been have been offered by Ohio State. Uh, were not able to visit Ohio State uh, for the game. Um, they are planning to get out to Ohio State now. It's just a matter of rescheduling. I talked to Peyton Woodyard, outstanding defensive back from the class of 2024. He's still as excited as ever to get to Ohio State. They just have to reschedule it, and Green's official visit will be rescheduled. As far as some of the other guys from the class of 2023, uh, Sonny Styles was there. Certainly he is a huge Ohio State target. Uh, Luke Montgomery was there. Uh, uh, Amy from 2022, Carson Hinsman from 2022 um, was there. You, you had uh, uh, Josh Padilla that I mentioned. Uh, Wiltrell Hartson, a running back from Maslin, Washington was there. Ryan Montgomery, uh, Luke's younger brother. Uh, and then can't forget Jaden Davis, the quarterback out of South Carolina that uh, that Ohio State really liked. You had a lot of the Ohio State commitments were there. So um, as usual, it, it was a big game. That means a lot of big-time prospects in the shoe. We wish they could have seen a better show, or at least one that had a more glorious ending. But as Bill will tell us, one game does not determine a recruit's fate, and we are thankful for that. We appreciate Bill stopping by. We appreciate the people's champ, Matt Baxendale, for stopping by as well. Try and have a good one, Bucknutters. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. 